0: You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young.
1: Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young, and we are here with David Privetera from Concord Construction Company. Now, where did that building come from? I bet everybody's asking that question now. You can just drive down South Boulevard and there's a new building every 10 feet. Um, you know, driving down usual work to uh, to or a route to work to school, you notice a building that seemingly popped up out of nowhere. Of course, it took weeks, months to complete. But when we look at building construction from our vantage point, it seems like magic, man and machine and perfect harmony, creating buildings that reach up to the sky. Now, the reality is there's much, much more uh, that goes into that. And we're going to learn a little bit more about that. So today we are here uh, joined by David from Concord Construction Company. David is here to shed some light on the craziness that goes on behind the scenes during construction jobs, as well as tell us more about Concord, eh, Concord Construction and how they can help us. Thank you, David, and welcome to this episode of the Brand Builders Podcast.
0: It is my pleasure to be here, Brian.
1: So let's jump into this Concord Construction. I remember the first time I met you, uh, we were working on some some awesome swag, and I said, cool, where in Concord are you guys located? And you were like, that is not how we spell our name, and that is not where our company is from. And then I looked at it and said, oh, it's Concord with an E. So first, before we even get there, how did we get the name Concord Construction if it's not in Concord, North Carolina?
0: That's a great question, of which I have a very bad answer. <laughs> Uh, we get asked that all the time. You know, the company is twenty eight years old, and and now here is the difference: um, the city is pronounced Concord. Concord. I learned that. That's right. Whereas we're Concord, like the big airplane, like you know. Anyways, yes. there, there was there was somebody that was very very smart that was paid a lot of money about twenty eight and a half years ago to come up with a name. And then they came up with this name and didn't realize that it was also the name of a town that was about fifteen miles away. <laughs> so again, no real compelling story. Our office is down in southeast, I'm sorry, excuse me, southwest Charlotte, near the airport. And and my vision is that my partner was standing in a big open field and the big Concord airplane came flying in to land at Charlotte right. Douglas, and he was inspired. But that never happened so (laughs) so there's not a good answer but it's it's been around now for 28 and a half years and it's 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 you know hopefully well known and and becoming better known so if it's not broken we're not going to fix that part of our company
1: absolutely so let's jump into your story kind of before we got into to concord tell us you know kind of where you grew up and and your story and, and and then we'll jump into uh to what you do with concord and how you even got there
0: awesome well i'm originally from buffalo new york and uh, um, they're getting a lot of snow in the news right now, bless their hearts. Um, yeah. Six feet or something? Uh, f- yeah, between four and five. Jeez. But it's, yeah, it's a whole thing. We <laughs> wouldn't have time for that today, Brian. <laughs> um, but I, uh, yeah, I'm from Western New York originally, came to Charlotte about 23 plus years ago now. So I've been in Charlotte for quite a while. I guess I achieved native status once you get past 10 years. That's I was right. told, But People can tell I'm not from around here once they, once they see me. and.
1: There's a ton of Buffalo people here. There you're, is, you're, there just, is. you're right at home.
0: I am right at home. Um, but, yeah, I've been in construction. Didn't start that way in college. Started off in the School of Architecture and realized I was a bad designer. And That's a pretty <laughs> important skill set to have if you're going to be an architect. So, but I could, I could read prints and, and work with my hands a little bit and got out of college and, and, and got the sage advice of go find a job. And I did, and um, and really, it, I've, so I've been in the industry now. This is my thirty third year, which is hard to say. And I think I'm still young in my mind. And I, I look in the mirror and go, "You look young." I, you I look, look young, in the mirror in the good. morning and go, "Dad, is that you?" Um, <laughs> but in all seriousness, it, <laughs> you know, on. but it's been it's been a progression. I mean, it, it's you know what I did day one versus what I do today. It's still the industry, but it's a much different, you know, obviously perspective and, and, and experiences along the way. But it's been a fun ride. It's been a fun ride, and, and the fact that I've been doing it for over three decades. And counting is, um, you know, most people think um, I'm crazy because there is a, a relatively high burnout factor. It's a very intense mm-hmm. um, business and, and and competitive and risky to say the least. In the last few years, have only magnified that mm-hmm. with what we've been dealing with with the you know this pandemic stuff and supply chain and inflation and escalations and all this stuff that we hear about in the news. It's real.
1: It's yeah, real. and and I think you know with your journey specifically, and we'll talk about how. You know different it is from working with a construction company versus being the president the ceo but if you've been around construction for 30 years you've seen the ups the downs the ins the outs you've been through sessions you've been through covid you've been through a lot of different things that have happened over the last 30 years and really the only way a company can be successful is to have a leader that looks at that as an opportunity looks at the challenge as something that that their their company and their people can overcome um, and, and look, if you've been doing it for 30 years, you're probably pretty good at it, I'd say. Yeah. Um, probably pretty good at it. But tell us your journey from going, you know, working as a, as a project, project executive and then a vice president and then board of directors, and now you are the president and CEO. Was it always something that you envisioned leading an organization in construction? And tell us about that journey where maybe you got your first opportunity uh, and really how you've thrived from there.
0: Sure, sure. Um, great question. Yeah. It, had you asked me 20 years ago, you know, um, is your vision to be an owner and, and and a leader of a company? I would have been like, I have no idea. You know, I think I think leadership skills. Yeah, we're all born, I think, with some degree of it, but some of it you can learn to become a leader. Uh, the type of leader I think is is you know is is different for each person. Um, for me, I, I guess the term in today's world is servant leader, mm-hmm. kind of from the bottom up. Uh, I talk about that a lot because no no project. Even this podcast, there's, there's no one person that is making it happen. It's a, it's a team. It's a group. You know, and, and there's not a building being built in the entire planet that's being done with one person. No project, no company, no, nothing rises and falls on one person. If it is, then you have a, a underlying challenge. So it, it's always going to be a team effort. Um, you know, I've learned if, if nothing else, you can lead by example. You know, hold yourself accountable and do all those all those things and all those things that led to the kind of the core values of the company and and kind of who we are and the company has become an extension of, of of my personality um and the way i frame it with people is that if you're in the construction industry in charlotte north carolina you're we're all facing the same weather the same supply chain the same subcontractor pool the only thing we can do differently is how we treat each other inside the four walls and the four walls of, of, of our company so you know it's a lot of collaborations a lot of transparency. There's a lot of accountability, but there's also a lot of fun, you know. Um, There's and it's it's again that that intensity of what we do and the stress of it has again, as I said earlier, has been magnified over the last two and a half years during this pandemic, and and the word empathy plays a lot more into into how I run the business um, because everybody's got their crosses to bear. Everybody's dealing with something outside of the four walls, and we have to keep that in perspective. Yeah, everybody wants to keep. Their work life and their and their and their and their business life or their their, their private life, excuse me, separate, but they're intertwined. Mm-hmm. They're they're intertwined, and we and, and what we do, we we have to be able to keep that in perspective and keep it understood.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think now there, I, I, I talk about this a lot with you know my dad. my My dad just retired recently, forty three years at one company, moved his his way from the bottom to the top. Oh, wow, and, old and school, did, huh? Old that's, school, right? That's yeah, awesome. old school. And the aviation insurance space, and so. You know, I was so proud of my dad, but but one thing he always mentioned was, you know, back in the 80s and the 90s, he would go to work and come home and it was shut off, yeah. right? There was no work email in the early 90s. I know my dad had a, a cell phone before he needed one, but right. the reality was is that there was that break. Well, now you're connected 24/7. I mean, you think about everybody has a phone and you have clients that will text you, call you at any time. It's it's hard to turn it off, but at the same time, that's just the world that we live in, right? Correct. So having fun, caring about others, um, having empathy is all things that you have to have right now because everybody's going through something. So I really do appreciate that. Now, I want to mention this before we jump into Concord. And this is just a an ignorant statement, probably, in the construction space You know, it seems like a lot of the things that get news in construction is things that are shady, right? People that do maybe business deals, you know, under the table, or maybe they're not the most ethical company. And it seems like when you're dealing with multi-billion dollar bids, and there could be a lot of things that might be fishy in that industry. How do you set yourself apart um, by just being the man that you want to be and the leader that you want to be? And and do you think that's something that leading by example and being that type of role model has helped Concord be able to grow? Because when you when you say you're going to do something, you do it, right? right and you're right. going to be ethical and you're, right. and you're doing it the right way and you're not trying to take advantage of people. And I'm not saying this is just a construction thing. This sure. is all over, right? It's greed in general. And and I, I just feel like in that industry, there can be a lot of, of things that maybe cost you jobs because somebody wasn't being unethical or something like that i don't know i'm just kind of curious okay. like in that type of space how do you guys approach those business relationships to the point where people know look I'm, i can trust david i can trust concord if he's giving me a price he's not trying to take advantage of me but you know it's gonna be a good price and he's gonna have great service and quality
0: and all those good things what's well, your point good news travels mm-hmm. bad news travels like wildfire mm-hmm. right so everybody knows everybody else's dirty laundry and we're a bunch of, I use the analogy of the old wash ladies at the rock. Did you hear what happened down this, you know, everybody knows everybody else's um, difficult moments. Um, like most businesses, our businesses is very relationship driven and you're only as good as the last thing that you've done. And if, if, if you do have that opportunity for that windfall and maybe you do something that might be questionable on you and you and you and you have the big score. That's a very short-lived way to look at things. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a this is again, you know, being in the business for a long time. Projects just take longer. I mean, if, you know, from in Charlotte, North Carolina. I mean, there's 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 the public sector hard bid kind of mindset that exists everywhere. The public works projects, schools, airport work, DOT work. But we, we our 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 space is more of the of the private developer driven um, negotiated relationships and it takes time you used the word transparency earlier transparency leads to trust and people have to be able to trust you i need to earn your trust first and then i'll earn your business as a result of that and it's never how you start it's always how you finish Mm -hmm. um and i think the true measure of a person especially in our industry is that things are going to go wrong i guarantee it every day and sometimes (laughs) all day um but in all seriousness you know how people behave and how you react when things are difficult is a better measure of a person than when things are great. It's really easy to be fun and and, and, and jovial and open and transparent when things are wonderful and everybody's getting what they want. Well, what happens when people aren't getting what they want? Mm-hmm. How do you behave? And that I think is the biggest difference is that is that I can I can maintain and and be consistent in my behavior and and, and, and our team acts the same way when things are good or when things are bad. Mm-hmm. Be transparent when things are good. Be transparent. Things are bad. Just like a cut on your finger, if you let it go for too long, it becomes a festering wound. If you got a cut, f- fix it, bandage it, and move on. And it's it sounds simple, but it's really hard for people to do.
1: You know, I I totally agree with that. We we talk about it in our business all the time. I tell people, look, we we want to be perfect, but we're in a custom space. It's not a matter of if it's going to happen; it's mm-hmm. when and when something happens. But for us, we're problem solvers, right? You know, if if something goes wrong, I I. I and and listen, I'm somebody that prays, I'm a believer, but I can't stand people that are the pray and wait, right? Well, oh, David's project might not go the way it wants to, but you know what? I'm not going to tell him cuz there's a chance that it might go right. For us it's like I'm coming I'm coming to you right away, David, hey, this is the issue. This is what we're doing to fix it. And, and just being upfront about it, right? Um, everybody has challenges. I mean, look, right now, I tell people straight up, I can't trust FedEx and UPS. I have no idea. When it's on their truck, it's in God's hands, you know? And the reality <laughs> is, is it's just challenging our clients to to plan a little bit earlier, to understand that we need a little bit of wiggle room there, right? right. Like we want this to be a success. So you're not painting a bad story or a bad light. You're just saying, hey, these are some things that could happen to prepare you. And then when they do, these are some things that we would do to fix that. Uh, and so you seem like somebody that would, hey, if there's an issue, if there's somebody that's mad, you're going to call them right up and we're going to figure that out. Exactly um, and right. And that's, that's how business needs to be run.
0: Absolutely. And, and, and problem solving, to your point, is a, is a huge part of what we do because something things come out of all of us. If, it, if, if, a, if a pop-up storm happens, if something gets delayed, if something comes in damage, that's a, that's a, that's a problem you have to solve. We try to practice what we call problem avoidance let's 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 teach you how to drive around the ditch versus teach you how to back out of it once you're already in it so you know we try to practice problem avoidance every day in in the way um, a bad analogy that i use is like hey our job is to be the police officers let's control the chaos when a fire breaks out put on your volunteer fire gear run over put it out come back take it off and go back to controlling the chaos versus people i've experienced in my industry um in the past are Better at firefighting, so sometimes they start their own fires just so yeah, they can put them out. Right, it's something to be aware of. But it's again, it's it's about controlling the chaos, um, and the best way to do that again is to be. I keep going back to the word transparent, but just it's being open, it's being honest, it's it's being communicative. It and and in today's world with the with the amount of options to communicate, you'd still be amazed how many people fail to communicate effectively when wow. you can be calling, texting, emailing, whatever you know, team team calls, Zoom calls, whatever there's still things like, oh, I thought you knew about that. Did I, I didn't tell you about that. Surprises aren't fun.
1: You guys, uh, everybody's going to go check out their website. It's concord, C-O-N-S-T dot com. And one of the things that I saw that I love is that uh, it, it is it says this. It says, we lead with confidence, competence, control, clarity, and courage. And this allows us to rise above the chaos and create amazing buildings you see on this page. Tell me what that means to you.
0: Well, it that came out of a... A rebranding that we did last year. Um, I'm gonna throw a plug to a, to yeah, a good please. friend, our friends at Arthur Elliot Creative Marketing Group, incredible. Yep. And it was funny because you know, it, I mean, the the backstory behind the rebrand was, as I mentioned, I think I mentioned earlier that our company's 28 years old. So my partner started the company; he's still involved in the company, not as active, but 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 definitely still involved. And when he and I met uh, 18 years ago, he was 53 and I was 36. And if you add 18 years onto that. You know, I'm 54, he's now 71. So the idea really hit us about about 18 months ago that, you know, it's time for us to be thinking about the next generation of this company. And I had been framing it as he was Concord 1.0, I'm 2.0, let's figure out 3.0. Right. And part of it, too, was, was there's just kind of the refresh of the brand was kind of stale, like the colors and the logo and just the messaging. And we weren't going to change who we were, but the, maybe there's a better way to do it. And I met uh, Andy Pfeiffer, uh, who runs Arthur Elliott through a peer group, and we started talking about it, and we came together, and he said, hey, can you, or his team asked me to, to put the construction industry in three words or less. I'm like, really? Okay. And I came back with gritty sophistication was the two words I came up with. And I said, I don't want to see those words, but, but gritty in the sense of we're in the weather, we're in the mud, we're in the rain, we're just people, people sweating and, and cursing and putting things together with their hands. But we become more sophisticated through technology, innovations, things of that nature. So that was the kind of the inspiration. And then we went back to this whole archetyping thing and came back with some of the imagery that kind of rings that yellowstone, like the, the, the solemn rancher, and then there's an, uh, uh, an orchestra conductor messaging kind of thing. And it was kind of cool to go through that process. But what it really did is it just it brought the, the visual of our company in, you know, into what the world is today and where we want to go with it. And then behind it was you know were some of the words just like you know we we started have, we we um, started rambling off all these words and there was there was this natural use of the letter C this this you know uh, over and over again and they just kind of refined that down and it, it, and you know for me what was more important was the messaging behind it kind of the the resetting of the vision and the mission for the company and not changing our core values but restating them but then our friends in Arthur Elliott just kind of came back with this alliteration of the letter C and it 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 rings true you know and 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 that's kind of who we are we are we are gritty but we're sophisticated and we have to stay true to who we are and and uh, and know where the world's going we use a another bad analogy of hockey uh wayne gretzky you skate to where the puck's gonna be everybody's fighting where the puck is right now so we're trying to figure out where's the world gonna be a year from now two years from now because if you think back about two and a half years ago the world was doing what it was doing if you would have said hey two and a half years from now you're gonna be in this kind of environment doing these kind of things you've been like you're crazy yep. but the world moves fast so we we kind of reset the vision and set it for not this big 10 year you know, audacious goal but 3 years from now by you know last year by 2024 where do we need to be to get Concord 3.0 fully launched. And the, and then the, the new website, and we're working, actually working on some upgrades to it, and the new colors, and the logo, and all that stuff. was the fun part of it? And the swag, and all yeah. that stuff is cool. We have copper, you know, fi- you know carbon fiber, copper colored hard hats, yeah. and all this fun stuff. But at the end of the day, it's really, what's the messaging for both internal and external?
1: Yeah, you guys have done an amazing job. There's another thing that you guys have on here that says, be a leader, remove obstacles, build relationships, own your outcomes, and contribute to the greater good. I think I want to get that as a fat head on my four year old's wall. On, just man. like, yeah, just put that right there. But it's great. I mean, it's similar to to ours, whereas where we we create and inspire our passions, real relationships first, whatever it takes, and community matters. And that's what is the core of our business. But I think the biggest one that that stands out to me on this one is owning your outcomes and contributing to the greater good. Um, how important is that to you? You know, with your business um, specifically, the contribute to the greater good. We've had a lot of entrepreneurs on this podcast, and, you know, I talk about the word purpose a lot. And look, if you're an entrepreneur, there's a, there's a little bit of you that that makes you, you want to make money, right? But money's not everything in life. Um, and there's not one person in the world that has said they are a happier person just because they have more money, right. right? It's more about your life, your purpose, what you're doing. But contributing to the greater good, what does that mean for you, and, and how does your company... You know, go about that on a daily basis.
0: Sure. sure. Well, there's 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 layers to it. So, like from a from a, a construction process, I think it's 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 being you know obviously aware of of recycling and and using greener products. And there was that big bigger green movement that occurred over the last decade. Um, and that's you know, but that's becoming almost commonplace now. So it, it it makes sense to be as efficient as as we can be. Watch our waste. You know, and 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 just make sure that what we're doing doesn't spill out into the world around us because we can impact the environment in a very positive or very negative way. Now flip that over to the, to the philanthropic side of things and we are very blessed to not only do what we do, but do it in, in, in this great part of the country and to be in this country. I mean, I'm not gonna get too philosophical on it, but you know, it's amazing to me you know, and, and how amazing our country is and, and how many opportunities we can offer people Yet there's a lot of people that are truly, truly still suffering. Mm-hmm. And again, the, on the magnifying glass of the pandemic of the last couple of years, has really, I mean, it's 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 all around us. So we, you know, Charlie Hodges, my partner, who started the company, and myself, we 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 committed, you know, this year um, to kind of go deeper. It's one thing just to write checks. I mean, that that's almost easy. Right. You know, sponsor a golf tournament and and, and slap your sign and the and the fourth tee. Um, you know, but for me, it's more about we have you know th- there's there, there are things that we can do that that we can really move the needle for some people. So we're actually going deep with one particular charity that I'd like to share if I can. Yeah, please. Um, please. It's called Families Forward Charlotte. It's a it's a f- I believe a, I believe they it's, it's their fifth year, maybe their sixth year. That I just met organically. I met the I, I, I met Carrie Christian who started it, and um, um, she's been doing amazing work helping families both both, you know, dual parents, single parent families, get out of poverty. Mm-hmm. And again, it's a, it's, a, it's a local grassroots kind of a movement. Um, there's a lot of great charities out there that get a lot of big money, but we, we want to do something that we can help the people that live in this city. So we went, we went a little deeper with them, and, and not only with, with, with of course writing a check, but also getting involved. The, they moved into their first office um, on the first November. Prior to that it was dining room tables and, and back of, of vehicles and parking lots. Helping people get the, what they need, and they do it more than just writing checks to give to the people who need money. Mm-hmm. It's it's mentoring, it's training them, it's it's helping them to to to, to learn how to manage a household. It, again, I'm not going to do it justice with my words, but it's incredible. So we're you know going deep on that, and and there's there's a more than likely I'll spend some time personally maybe on their board and just help them become you know better organized because they're really really helping people and and the dollars are going where they need to go, not to. You know, these large, again, nothing wrong with the big charities. I, 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 we've all spent time with them and, and helped. But um, if we can help people at a local level, and, and even if we move one family from not sure where they're going to live to a stable household and get them on the right track and, tra- and help mentor and train the parents and the children, to me, that's, that's you, there's no better use of our time or our money.
1: I totally agree. We um, we had Madison Toll and her father on from MIT. I don't know if you've ever heard of them before, but MIT, M-I-T-E, is an organization. It's actually a global organization that was created here to help people that want to give back, um, specifically donations, to know exactly where that's going. Mm-hmm. Right. So a lot of the conversation is, and I'm not going to call any any nonprofits because I think they all you know, do a good job, but there's a lot of money that isn't going to the true cause, right? And so I think when people, especially now are taking their hard earned dollars and they want to donate, they want to know where that goes. Um, a lot of the times you don't have any idea. And so Mike's an organization that actually teams up with nonprofits very similar to, uh, to Families Forward Charlotte and they create the platform from a marketing standpoint to be able to to showcase it but then they literally will send videos to each person that donates this is where your dollars went That's awesome. right and so this is all over the world maybe they're out in africa and they're building you know a, a new kitchen or something for 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 anyone they'll literally show a video and it's like your $25 donation helped pay for this and then like it and it goes through yeah. it so it's it's just it's just understanding and 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 knowing where that money is going. So I think a lot of people look, there's a lot of good people out there that want to give money, but like you said, there's a lot that just donate to big organizations. And I challenge everyone, find one nonprofit that you have a passion for or, or find out um, and and be committed to them. For me, it's 24 foundation. That's my big one, right? Yeah. Everyone knows when I'm coming. Oh, yeah. I'm coming for you for 24 foundation donations. But I'm not going to be coming in February for another one and then March for right. another one. So I just challenge people be committed. And it's great that you yeah. guys as an organization have been able to get with Family Sword Charlotte. Would love to have Carrie on the podcast and we'll jump into that. Now, let's get into business. So okay. you guys have been around for a long time. Um, I, just look at buildings in general. We're about to have the World Cup so people can look in Qatar and, and see some of the craziest looking buildings you ever imagined. And I know one of the, the U.S. men's national team players, Tim Ream, was interviewed and they asked, like, what is it like? He's like, well, there's a lot of empty buildings, hmm. <laughs> but it's fascinating from where the future of like architecture sure. and, bu- and buildings. I mean, it's just like some of the things or things you'd only seen in like the Jetsons on a movie, right? And (laughs) like, and now it's real. So you've been through, I mean, think of 30 years in construction, right? What's, I mean, it's unbelievable, right? Right. You look at a building 10 years ago and now you look at a building now, the one 10 years ago looks like it was built in like the sixties because of things that have increased. So, Tell us a little bit about Concord Construction in general. What are some of the projects and buildings um, or things that you guys focus on? And then, obviously, if there's any developers or people that are that are listening to this, uh, obviously want to hear you know about what you can bring to the table for
0: them. Sure, sure, sure. Well, you know, um, three years ago when we you know when this whole pandemic really kind of kicked off, you know, everyone I think paused to try to figure out you know what does this really mean? What you know what does this mean to our to ourselves personally? What does it mean to our businesses? And then the construction industry was deemed essential, and we can debate that point all day, but we never stopped. You know, we, had a, we had maybe a little lull uh, in March and April of 2020, but then by May and they, when we realized that we were going to be able to keep moving forward, it's been nonstop. If anything, it's escalated. If, if, if you have told me that the pandemic would have been a catalyst to our, our industry and our business, I would have told you you were crazy, but I would have been wrong. Um, so right now, you know, and the two biggest sectors that are probably the busiest and have been the busiest are, um, industrial and multifamily, industrial being distribution, being light manufacturing, um, because that model has changed obviously with the right on time delivery world that we all live in now and demand from UPS and FedEx Mm -hmm. and, and of course our friends at Amazon. Um, on the multi-family side basically you know one thing that's always had a tailwind and always will is housing people need a place to live no matter what the economy's doing no matter what your personal situation you need a place to live so there's a whole spectrum of of housing right now with interest rates obviously single family we don't touch that is is in a weird place but because but that was crazy you know 6 12 18 months ago that's kind of come back because of interest rates but you know one of the market segments being multifamily that we spend our time in, we've been very fortunate to a point where it's, it's, our business development lately has been kind of answering the phone, which is kind of a weird thing to say. And I'm not saying that with any ego at all. We're oh, very blessed. Awesome. Yeah. But it's, but again, it's it, that, you know, the, there's apartments, again, we're, we're sitting here and in, 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 in a certain part of town and within within a stone's throw, you can hit a, a, a building that was built in less than, you know, a year ago and a lot of it is multifamily. So we, we spend our time there, but most of our, uh, our, our multifamily projects are part of a bigger mixed-use component. A lot of it's urban infill. We don't really do a lot of the suburban stuff. Personally, I like projects that are challenging, mm-hmm. um, and that's easy to say when you're the president of the company, right? But, when, but, the, <laughs> but the team's like, what are you doing? Like, you know, a, a, a recent project for us, we did a project called Hawk, which is a 13-story high-rise tower at the time it was it was the tallest building in the south end for like about 6 months and then <laughs> and then they built another building next you know, uh, a block away that was maybe uh, eight stories taller but anyways it was a, it was an innovative way to put a building up it was the first high rise high end apartment uh, project in, in that part of the world it was a it was a milepost marker as far as kind of you know what, what the next generation of, of housing was going to look like again density is a big thing when you're in an urban setting you get, again, you have no other choice really to go up, up or down. Going down too expensive, so you go up. And as a result of that, again, that was a project that was kind of one that we kind of fell into based on relationships. And it was one that the way we built it was was an innovation that was driven primarily because of cost. But then once we got into it, there's a whole it was a whole labor savings piece of it that we didn't realize we you know was going to happen, and in the, in the building went up quicker than than it would have been under. Conventional methods. So again, it's 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 you know right now there's 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 so much innovation and advancement in technologies. And underlying beyond the you know, price escalations and supply chain challenges, there's a labor shortage, period. And it's been that way. That that's really been going on since the Great Recession finished, so twelve years ago mm-hmm. for Frost, anyways. And you know there were so many workers that left during that because so much of our workforce is from faraway places they went back to where they're from, and the, and, the, and the talent that came back, the labor that came back, number one, there was less of them, and number two, the ones that did come back were less skilled. So as a result of that, we have a shortage of skilled labor. So 10 years from now, we have to keep innovating and, pre- and prefabricating and, and modularization and do things in a controlled environment with less people because we're not gonna have the bodies to, to be out there in the rain and the snow and the wind to put stuff together. So that's a long-range concern I have. But 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 people, smart people in in, in in lots of places are coming up with ideas and innovations to try to take some of that, you know, the, the first car that was built probably took a long time and now they they crank them through, right? Mm-hmm. Again, same kind of concept that 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 manu- that manufacturing, that, that that modularization of things, that prefabrication of things. That's where we have to go because there's there's not really a good solution to the skilled labor
1: yeah, I mean I've seen things now with 3D printers. No, They're no. building, oh, yeah. you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like especially for like affordable housing. Oh, yeah. Um to be able they can literally crank these out. And it's fascinating. When yeah. you think of a 3D printer, most people probably think of something that's on a table. I mean this thing literally looks like a train yeah. that's just going through it. it's like and it, it's it's fascinating, right? Yeah. Um, now on that note I want to ask you so you know I have a 4-year-old and a 2-year-old. And people always ask me, like, maybe that's the thing I worry about more is, like, what's their life going to be like? Um, You know, if if I had to tell my four-year-old something to do right now, I'd be like, you need to do something with your hands, Mm -hmm. whether that's construction, whether that's service. It doesn't matter to me. Um, But that's something that now you can create a very successful business with four or five employees. You could be a plumber. Absolutely. Make a ton of money choose when you want to work maybe yeah. um but but like i feel like there's a like you're you're there's that lack of labor but what advice would you give to people that do have kids you know because even if you do have all the things that you talked about um, they're still going, you're still going to need the people, right? Like that's still going to be a big factor. I'm not saying you're going to need as many of them, but if there were kids in high school now or middle school, what advice would you give them to be able to get into the construction industry and where would be some of those areas that you would, you know, maybe tell parents, Hey, maybe get your kid involved. Maybe, you know, educate them on, on some of these things because there seems to be a lot of opportunity, especially in a city like Charlotte, which is, is growing like crazy.
0: That is correct. Well, you know, Think back to the conversation about, about our core value of, 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 of giving back and, and that contribution to the greater good. If you have a skill, and I've, and I've had this conversation with my own son when, when he wanted to maybe do to, you know something to the church he was involved in, I'm like, boy, if you knew how to plumb things, you could go to uh, a faraway place that people that, that don't even have plumbing, you can help, you can give back by taking that skill, and, and that's your giving back versus trying to write a check or right. whatever. So just having skills, I think it's just a – it, it in, and, and the – and the, trying to change, and, it, and, and there's a lot of great people, you know, Mike Rowe has the, has the Mike Rowe work, you know, Foundation and, and Mike Rowe Works, and again, trying to change the dynamic of this idea that you have to go to a two-year, four-year, whatever school, higher ed, to be successful. I am part of a group called the Rock Charlotte, ROC, stands for Rebuilding Opportunities in Construction and basically and I won't do this justice either I've been involved with this as a as a as a board member for the for just over 3 years and as a company for 4 years and essentially it's a it's a it's a collaboration between Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools CPCC and Goodwill Industries to really you know and 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 CMS really is the kids and um, CPCC is the instruction and Goodwill has the facility bringing these these groups together to give uh, high school kids another option that may be either can't afford to or aren't really wired to go to a four-year school or even a two-year school and teach them trades and get them exposure, get them internships. And it's at a micro scale, but there's a, there's a macro uh, uh, concept. I mean, you know, coming from the Northeast originally, and I'm not, I'm not pro or anti-unions, but I came from a part of the world that had labor unions, and the good part of labor unions was they trained, they had true internships and apprenticeships, and they taught people how to do things the right way in a safe way and, and for, you know, for a decent buck. It gets a little skewed when you step back and look at it as a whole, but, but there's something to that. So create an opportunity. So, I mean, again, I think there's, there's, um, our industry as a whole has been, is always slow to, to adapt to new things, especially at the subcontractor level. And, but, but we need those subcontractors. That's where the, the, on the skills need, you need electricians, you need plumbers, you need carpenters and so on. And getting people willing to, to open the door and give these kids a chance. Because there, there are kids that realize that, hey, I can. you tell me I, you know, two years out of high school, I can be making eighty grand a year and have no debt? That's pretty cool. And when the parents, when that, when that light bulb goes on, that, hey, you don't have to have all this, all this debt and send your kid to a great institution and have a piece of paper on the wall, and then six years from now, they've got $100,000 in debt or they're eighty grand in debt, mm-hmm. and they're not sure what the workforce is going to look like and what skill do they really have? So, again, it's, I've got three children. They're all young adults now, and, and two were college, um, went to college, graduated, and are, and are launching their careers, and one in the middle didn't go to college. He got out of high school, and he now works uh, with his hands a little bit, you know, and he's learned. He works for a great uh, window and door company, and he's learned how to glaze glass and does the measuring and does the ordering, and he's happy, he's fulfilled, he's got an upward path, and he's got no debt. And I'm cool with that (laughs) yeah I'm cool with
1: that too I mean that's the other thing and and that you know when I grew up I'm 38 years old and which
0: 38 today by the way happy happy birthday Brian
1: um thank you and but I look back on it and I remember like throughout high school everything was geared towards going to college everything you had to go to college or you were not going to be successful that was pretty much the 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 mindset um, now, I don't think it's like that. And I told my wife, I'm like, you know, I don't even know what college is gonna be like in 14 years when Graham goes, right? Like, who knows? Exactly. Um, but you know, one thing that will never change is things are going to be built mm-hmm. and there's going to be people's hands, whether you're pushing a button or picking up a hammer, No question, that's gonna have to be done. So that's pretty uh, pretty fascinating. So as far as Concord Construction, you guys mentioned going into 3.0. Mm-hmm. It seems like you guys have a great company, well-established. It seems like you have a good vision. You understand who you are. Tell us, what does the future look like for Concord Construction? What does 3.0? And and I guess for you, being the leader of the group, you know, you're not going to be able to work there forever, right? Correct. You're going to have to, to hand over the keys. Nor do I want to, Nor Brian. do you want to. That's right. <laughs> but what for you and i think that would probably be the hardest thing as a as a, a an owner or you know president of an organization is getting the company into a position where not only you're proud of where you guys are but handing over the keys and 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 being good to leave right what does that look like to you what what is this company to be at and it, it might not be anything it might be staying on the same course right. but you did mention you know what that 3.0 is tell us a little bit about the vision of what we can see from concord in the future
0: sure well you know so many people that that run, a, and, and again, at the end of the day, we're a, we're a small, we call ourselves a, a, a medium business. We're somewhere yeah. between small and medium, but it's still, it's a small business, very flat structure. And when you're busy working in the business, again, this is cliche, but it's hard to step back and work on the business. And that little subtle change from an end to an on is very, very different. So one of the things that we've been very intentional about is making sure we're spending time working on the business. The first thing you can do is is that old old lesson that you taught that your parents taught you and then you're teaching your kids, surround yourself with the best people you can find. Period. Whatever that means. And in our case, it's 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 the best clients, it's the best vendors, it's the best obviously associates. Um, and if you've got the right people in the right seats on the bus, um, it's an easier time to take a step back and begin to work on the business. And there are there are a lot of really, really bad examples out there of people who did not have that 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 succession, that, that, that longevity mindset. And then all of a sudden, something happens. There's a catastrophic event. You get a bad diagnosis. And, and all of a sudden, there's this, there's, this, there's, this, there's this fire sale, you know? I mean, when you own a company, in theory, I and mean, there's probably multiple ways, but there's only three, three ways you can exit that, that business, right, um, short of dropping dead. Um, you can just say, hey, I'm done. We're gonna wind it down and slowly kind of go off into the sunset. That's not very sexy at all, is it? Mm, no. You can try to package it up and sell it to some third party from somewhere else that wants to penetrate your market location or segment or whatever, but what they typically do is come in and, and that great culture that you built that they just paid a bunch of money for, they pick it apart. Mm-hmm. And while that might be great for the current owners, it's really bad for the associates that are in the company, my opinion. Mm-hmm. Third option is to create that organic, natural growth and create that, that continuity that next generation. So over the last years and and as we currently speak just again trying to find the best talent we can and groom them and teach them one of the things that 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 I'm I might be a little different I you know all of us that are in 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 business that run any kind of a company you have to have some level of ego to do that mm-hmm. but mine is pretty pretty in check I'm pretty I'm pretty humble and I, I, I say I always preach stay humble because it's not about you it's not about me again bottom-up leadership it's about it's about all those people that are working out there all day every day, so f- so finding the right people and, and helping them to learn the lessons that I've learned over the last you know thirty years, but really the last seventeen years of running this company, and and the best lessons I've learned was when I banged off the guardrail really hard, mm-hmm. you know it's it's it, the dents in, in my head under my hair. Thank God I have a head <laughs> of hair right to hide them, and, and you, know, you know but we can do that now in a in a, a measured way. With, with lessons learned and kind of paying that forward because there's going to be things that the next generation is going to have to deal with that I can't fathom right now. Mm-hmm. But here are the potholes that I've fallen into. It's that whole problem avoidance, you know, comment I made earlier. Same thing applies. So kind of grooming them and when the time is right, I'm comfortable enough to begin to step away because there's other things that, again, if, if it happens three years from now and, I'm, and, you know, that means 35 years in the company and 20 years running this business or if it's eight years now, whatever, the, it's I've paid my dues. And it's mm-hmm. time for me to get out of the way mm-hmm. because if we want this company to go on at 58, 60 years old, I'm probably going to be not as effective as I am today, you know, and, and there are other things that I want to try and do. You know, my glass ceiling is I'm ready to kind of push on through. Yeah. Don't tell me I'm done at 54, no. right? That's what I'm
1: saying. Well, I love that. So with uh, with Concord, um, what are some some cool projects that maybe you've done or that are on the horizon that, uh, especially here in Charlotte, that we can, uh, we can be on sure. the lookout for? Sure, sure.
0: Well, you know, in, in South End, I mentioned Hawk, which is a really cool, that, that really cool high rise um, kind of right behind the design center. Um, Close Bobby did a big project called The Hub. Um, which was again a mixed use thing. Again, South End is—it's amazing—they're still it's building south. the south. Well, South End is basically moving further south it's and un- further west. Um, we're on the north side of town now, and and what I'm calling the new part of Noda. Yep. So when the light rail went through, kind of Noda has kind of jumped the tracks. Now used to be between Davidson, mm-hmm. you know, North Davidson and, and the and the and the rail line. Now it's the rail line over to North Tryon Street. That is ripe. You know, if if you go on Google Maps and kind of just waste some time and scroll up the light rail between you know Noda and U N C Charlotte it's a lot, it's a lot. The next 20 years is going to be incredible. It's all what they call Opportunity Zone, which I won't go into detail on that, but that's a, a, it's a tax deferred, you know, investment opportunity for a lot of developers, you know, draws a lot of money. Um, You know, geographically speaking, it's funny, like, you know, Charlotte, I mean, really Charlotte's jumped the border. So we're, you know, Rock Hill, and Fort Mill, have become suburbs of Charlotte, right? Mm-hmm. We've been so busy in Rock Hill, and Rock Hill has absolutely exploded. You know, there's been some obviously some some turmoil with the whole Panthers thing, mm-hmm. which we won't talk about that today. But luckily, we weren't part of that. Yeah, <laughs> but it's but, but 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 Rock Hill. I mean, just they've been so um, open and embracing of new development. And it's grown significantly in the last five or six years. There's other other geographies. You jump you jump over the river, you go into Gaston County, Belmont, Mount Holly, places like that. So what we're seeing is like I, I think you're gonna see some resurgence of, of of some of the town centers and some of these little suburbs are really beginning to reinvent themselves. So we're and we're touching a few of those around around the area. Um, and, and then and then geographically we've gone up and down eighty five a little bit. So we're down in Spartanburg, which is feels like Rock Hill did about six years ago. Right. And then up up towards Raleigh, Durham. There's there's all kinds of stuff going on. So it's uh it's you know we're again very blessed to be in this part of the world.
1: Yeah, Charlotte's awesome. I've been here since 2010. I grew up in Atlanta, and so I I laugh at, at a lot of people in Charlotte. They're like, oh, we're getting too big. I'm like, yeah, we're just getting started. Not
0: even close. Uh, yeah. And
1: there are so many areas around Charlotte. Um, you know, I had somebody that was like, it takes me 20 minutes to get to work. I'm like, do you know, you, you'd live a mile and a half away if it took you 20 minutes to get to work in Atlanta. I was like, y'all, we y'all don't even know what's happening. Exactly. Right. Um, well, that's awesome. Well, I, I have to ask you this question sure. with, with Charlotte pipe and Foundry's land going for sale, is David Tepper going to buy it? Like, is, are we putting a... Are we putting a stadium there, or what are we doing?
0: Well, that's 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 the easy answer. Um, the question is, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what is what is David Tepper going to do? That's that's the that's the overall question, and it's hard to really say. I mean, with again, I think the Panthers, you know, as a franchise, are, 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 are a good franchise, good a good reputation now with the Charlotte FC associated with that. I mean, it it makes sense, you know, the stadium, you know. The, needs to be upgraded updated mm-hmm. um, so that that makes sense but you know trying to pick what David Tepper's going to do is trying to trying to pick the stock market yeah yeah i he's have no a, idea he's a he's a he's a he's he's shrewd and we'll leave it at that
1: yes that is true he's he, in my mind since i'm just a sports guy he's just going to build something that's just insane i tell my son that all the time so we've Charlotte fc tickets and we go and and uh the one that's one thing i do wish we had a, a soccer specific stadium yeah because you look at all of these that they're building in st louis and nashville yeah. and cincinnati and i went to the one in cincinnati for usa mexico game and it's incredible yeah like when you build a stadium for that exact sport it is something else and now i FC all fans i give you all the props like yeah. you, my four-year-old is obsessed yeah. the environment's amazing But if you took those 30,000 and put them in a stadium that seats 30,000, it would feel like we're in a hundred thousand.
0: I agree. And I think that's what the whole vision was with what was going to happen in Rock Hill. But again, but you know, something will give, I mean, I'm not, I'm, you know, one idea I'd to throw out to you, you know, one of the odds of of David Tepper just taking that and, and he packing it up and selling it to the next next great owner. Yeah, I mean, I think th- there's th- there's something to that because he's it, it has gotten more valuable since he bought it, especially with the bolt on of the of the football club.
1: I mean, the football club made three the the valuation it was three hundred million before the beginning of the season, yeah. and now they're over like six hundred and fifty or seven hundred million. Pretty good That's return on investment. Man. I was like. Yeah, because he, he charges me $285 a ticket. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> it's not that bad, but damn, it's pretty expensive. Oh, no. I ain't going to lie. I'm it's the lie. damn drinks that cost him much. I'm it's the beers, right? Lie. That's right. It gets you. Um, I'll say that. On the beers, if you're listening, David Tepper, do what Arthur Blank did in Atlanta. Buy all of the concessions. Run it internally. You make the prices. And if you go to a game in Atlanta people are going into that stadium an hour and a half before the game yeah. because you can get a $4 beer. Mm. You can get a hot dog for $2. You get a cheeseburger. For t- so nobody's tailgating and not bringing you any revenue. They could all be in Bank of America Stadium if you sold it at the right price, and you would you would double the amount of money that you make.
0: Use the Masters as an example. Yeah, the ma- oh, the Masters is mas- a great, mas- example, great you, you, example. You can egg sale a sandwich yeah. and great, a beer for like $4 example. total. Great example. It's crazy. I mean,
1: you have I mean, people walking around like – and I'm not going to lie. I took all the cups that I drank beer out of. I was like – Who's taken a frost plastic how, cup anywhere? How big, I,
0: how big was the stack, Brian? I honest. mean, it was a big stack. Uh, I could imagine. It was a big stack. I but imagine. I
1: spent like thirty dollars. Uh-huh. it was like, had a good time, honey. It was a small stack.
0: It's small it was, stack. It was a small That's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> and, well, no. And you weren't driving either, I'm sure.
1: No, never. Yeah. I don't. I, don't I, I will say I do not. I do not uh, drink and drive. I uh, I use Uber. Uber's where it's at. Um, or Lyft. I'm not, for all, I, you, I, kids I, for all not, you kids listening, do not do not drink and drive. That's right. It, I grew up when there was no Uber, so like it was like. You had to decide, like, are you getting home or not, right? Anyways, I kid, got you by about, about
0: sixteen years, so I, I, but
1: they, they didn't even care back yeah. then. You guys did whatever. You didn't even wear seatbelts. My
0: first cell phone came <laughs> in a bag. How's that? How's that?
1: <laughs> oh man, I love it. Well, David, this has been great. Um, Before we let you go, what's the best way for people to get in contact with you to follow Concord Construction uh, sure. with all that?
0: Well, we're in the process of expanding our social media platforms, but we're right now LinkedIn is the best, but that's really the only social media that I spend my time on as it relates to my uh, business. Um, And then our website. But again, I think, you know, LinkedIn is the best way to connect with me. And uh, and I, I love connecting with people and I've connected with a lot of people through doing podcasts like this. And it's, it's fun to really expand the network a little bit. So that's the best way. And, and again, more to come on the website and other social media, social media platforms. But, uh, Stay tuned.
1: Yes, I love it. Well, David, you're awesome. It's been a pleasure to work with you, to get to know you. I love, you know, what you've done not only with the company, but how you run the company as a leader, how you instill the values to each of your employees, and understand that it's leading from the bottom up. Um, that's the way it should always be done. And and really, you know, I'm a big sports guy in general, but every company is a team, and if you look at any sports team in any sport around. There is no I in team. There's never been one team that's won a sporting event because of one player. I don't care who you are. Um, and the teams that that usually succeed the most are the ones that that all come together. Uh, and it seems like you guys over at Concord Construction have that going. And uh, look forward to the the growth of the business and, and everything else, man. It's been a uh, pleasure to learn a little bit more about it.
0: Thank you so much for making time for me.
1: Love it. Until next time, you have been listening to this episode of the Brand Builders Podcast.